welcome to the HR Matters podcast. HR Matters because people matter. This is the place where you can listen to fresh ideas about working together and news and topics that really matter with insights into the changes that you can make in your organization. And you can start today. This is for anyone who has a keen investment in the people within their organization. Featuring Lisa Dempsey. Hello. And myself, Marjolein Vlug. And today we have a guest called Tom van der Lubbe. He's also from the mortgage advisors company VZ. We've just had Mark Peter Piper from them uh, as a guest as well, but there's so much more to talk about. And especially in these times, because we're recording in, I was going to say the middle, but we have no idea whether it's already the middle of the Corona crisis. And uh, VZ has some very strong purposes and and statements that they they guide their decisions and their actions on which is especially relevant in these times so Tom can you please introduce yourself and then we'd love to chat up uh, to chat about these times with you yeah my uh, my name is Tom van der Lubbe as you already said I'm also um, working for Visi and we do mortgage advice in the Netherlands and um, yeah, I think I'm I'm in your podcast because we're putting people people first. And um, uh, yeah, I just leave it uh, up to you to focus because we only have half an hour to focus on the topics which <laughs> matter for your audience. Yeah, thank you and welcome. It's a I'm challenge. Glad to hear. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, Tom, because um, you, know, you you guys say you put people first, but to really put people first during times of crisis, it, it requires a different mindset and different kinds of behavior. It really is where you see the difference between, you know, who just has the poster hanging on the wall versus who are the people in the companies, the organizations who can really live that. So I'm so curious to hear how, how is this people first culture coming to life right now while, you know, the world is, holding its breath and slightly in panic and a little confused, a little chaotic with all of this COVID-19. Um, yeah, to be, to be quite honest, I think that for us as a company, it's much easier to put people first in times of crisis because it's part of our DNA and it has become a habit for all people in our company. And if you have a certain strong culture, it also attracts people with a certain mindset. So mm. if you just take our website and you just go back in time, it always has been about people first mm. and it always has been about purpose. So we as a company have a double purpose. On the one hand, we want to change finance, the financial industry. I wouldn't dive into that uh, deeper because that's not a topic today. And the other purpose is, and that's perhaps strange, was to put people first and, tra and change the, the way we work. And then you could say, okay, why is this double purpose? What does it have to do with your company? Because you're doing mortgage advice. But, but now perhaps it's easier to understand why this is so decisive. So putting people first always has been uh, the goal as well. And if you go on our website, it always has been a hierarchy. So it's always purpose which comes first, then people first, then client second, and then shareholder last. And this always has been in place and we always have worked like that. So now you have a crisis and you have a kind of acid test and then you just, for us, it's just reduced to the max, so to say, but we don't have to change our strategy. 
it's just the strategy is exactly the same and now it's even easier to show why it's important to put people first so can you tell us a few actions a few decisions that you've taken over the past week or so uh, that were strongly guided by by this purpose and by these these principles i think it, it for us it was in a way easy between brackets because we already discussed let's say since probably a year and a year and a half what would we do uh, in a recession because i mean the whole mortgage market in the netherlands is booming yeah. like crazy so i mean everybody knows it's not about the only ways up so at a certain point there is a change and then the, qu the question is when will the next recession be there and how will you respond to that so right. we discussed this so when then uh, let's say this extreme severe crisis came then we just had to change a little bit our recession scenario but we didn't have to invent it at that moment so and there was a kind of hierarchy in this strategy so first we said if we have a crisis what's the hierarchy of our stakeholders and it's exactly the the hierarchy i, I just mentioned that stays the same right yeah. just say, why, because why would you change it so uh, even in a crisis it becomes more important and then we said okay that means that if we act in a crisis we take our people first team or you could call it hr team but we don't like the word human resources so our hr team is called people first and you can just see it in our whole glass structure mm -hmm. this is the crisis team so esme mark peter and i we three are the crisis team and then we install this kind of war room we can deep into this uh, later why it's called the war room etc so there it starts that's the crisis team and then we said okay how is the strategy and then you have let's say three steps first is the goal is to keep everybody on board so we said in dutch and i didn't invent it because it's very funny it's a colleague of mine who joined from ing and he worked as a banker there for 25 years and he's the fifth let's say founder in the company michiel mm. Goris. and i made a presentation and then he said tom shall we call it sama uit sama thuis mm. which i don't know how, how do you exactly translate this into English eh? but it means we are all in the same boat we're in this uh, together right we we're yeah. in this together and we're going through this together so the first point is let's try to keep everybody on board and let's act on that uh, and just let's hope that if we are three months or four months further that we're all there we're all still alive all our families are still alive and we have become even a stronger team so and mm -hmm. that's about solidarity so yeah. solidarity first and nothing else and that's really something which is lacking but we'll dive into that later the second point is how do you going to act on that and that's technical question then you have to just make an excel sheet how much liquidity do you have and then the hierarchy is exactly the the way uh, the other way around so yeah we have a certain liquidity quite quite good liquidity we don't have any external investors so we're very mm -hmm. easy we only have to discuss with ourselves what are the priorities right there the other way is the other way around so then it's shareholders first so yeah. shareholders but not first taking no giving so mm -hmm. the obligation the obligation starts exactly at the shareholders and we had we have been in such a kind of situation before 
in the past, when we had a liquidity crisis, we put money into the company as shareholders mm -hmm. and we didn't pay ourselves our salaries, but we always paid the salaries of our people. But wow. as, we're not an exotic example. It's medium and medium, uh, small and medium sized enterprises, they all act like that. So the examples are the big corporations who lay off people. The small entrepreneurs, they always try to keep their people on board. And the third can, part... Can, yeah. I, can I pause on that really quickly? Because what I find interesting here is that very often entrepreneurs, business owners, managers look up to what happens in the big corporates, look up to what happens in the big companies and think that's what we should aspire to. That's what we should be doing. That's what it should be like with us. And we're small now. We're, we're not, you know, we're, we're playing a kid's game. We're not doing the real thing. And we should aspire to that. And what you're saying is it can be the other way around. It can work much better to not look at what the big, what the big corporates are doing, but look at what, you know, what, what a company your size is doing and, and make that your priority and what you aspire to. I would, I would say if you talk about management and that's, uh, that's the interesting thing, the great management is done in small, medium sized enterprises. Mm, interesting. And and the bad management is done in the corporates. And it's not very difficult to explain this. So if you start from, for instance, psychological safety and giving people security or, or being, uh, or, uh, talk about solidarity. Yeah. It's, if, you, if you have a small company, it's not possible to be, I mean, you have this, this article about no assholes, uh, Sutton uh, is called uh, the scientist. It's, mm -hmm. you can't behave in in a humane way, it's not possible mm. because you you know those people. So if you have a small company, you know those people personally. You know their family situations. You know that they will be in in trouble when they when, when you lay them off right. and you send them home. It's not possible from a, because human beings care for each other. That's Brechtman. So it's just not possible. And also from your whole social environment, it's not possible. If you live in a small city. You meet those people you would lay off on the market on Saturday, in church, in at, at the football, uh, at the soccer club, etc. It's just not possible. So mm. in this whole social environment, if you would behave in an undecent way, people would say, you don't have to work for this company. You don't have to work for this small company right. because, I mean, I know that in English language, you shouldn't use the word asshole too much, but... Just, okay. yeah, just, just, just <laughs> to be very, very clear, this is a very undecent person or a very yeah. undecent owner, and you. So you only have a, one possibility of disqualifying yourself, and then everybody knows because these are small communities. Right. So, and the other way around is something: if you have a huge company and you don't know the people you're laying off, and you have an Excel sheet, and you say, okay, twenty percent has to leave, then you can do high end fire because right. you don't know those people. Those That's people abstract. on this Excel sheet, they don't have a face. You don't know their situations. You, you don't know that they will not able to pay their mortgage anymore. You don't know that those people will not able to fund uh, the universities of their children anymore. Mm. But those people don't have faces. Yeah, it becomes a faceless issue. Yeah. It's and, a really and, different and, perspective. And, and that's the problem. But all the other aspects of management, long-term thinking is small, medium-sized enterprises. From a, from a, let's say financial point of view, then a lot of people who studied economics says, no, you should leverage this much more. 
it doesn't make sense to be your owner of your own uh, office building or your factory. And entrepreneurs say, I don't care. I just want to have security for mm. when times are getting worse. Or if you talk about anti-cyclical uh, thinking, people would hire in, in difficult times or in bad times, or you could say if it, if it makes sense to hire good people, but small and medium-sized enterprises are also not able for economic reasons to lay off people because then they have to hire them afterwards again. So they will try to solve internally. So if they have to lay off 20%, then they would say, let's just take the more intelligent possibility of all working 20% less, which is called in the Netherlands Arbeitszeitverkorting. So, I mean, how stupid is it that if you know that the crisis is a temporary issue, that you lay off people? And then the crisis is over, and then you hide this 20% again. Yeah, it's, much, it's a very short-term much, thinking. Very it's much short-term. more intelligent just to say, okay, how are we going to solve this? Uh, uh, what shall we do? Shall we, shall we lay off 20% or shall we all work 20% less? And the more intelligent step is even then to leave it to the people in the teams and tell them, could you please find an even more intelligent solution so that people who are willing to support each other and say, for instance, I have enough money, I have enough savings, I have a partner who has an excellent job, right. I, can, I, can, I can work 60% right. and somebody who has children and is divorced or something like that, just really need to, who needs, really who needs it. So, so people are acting in a very, very, uh, let's say, responsible and solidaric way to each other in the team. Wow, so, that's the people first in the max. <laughs> yeah, but 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 that's that's not something we have invented or which which is very innovative. That's the way normal people always will act. That's right. why people mm. put, uh, let's say, ask their neighbors, "Shall I go to the grocery shop?" Yeah. Or can I help you? Or if somebody's waiting and crossing the street, people will ask, "Can I help you?" Yeah. 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 There, there's actually it's really interesting to see even now, how many people are genuinely coming forth with offers to help? People are yeah. trying to contribute. And it, you know, it, it, it's happening at a very large scale. And I think that that first piece that you touched on of solidarity, when you can create that solidarity and you can create the psychological safety within an organization where people really can and do want to show up for one another because yeah. they have relationships and they value the business and they value their work. And so everybody is, there's a much stronger sense of solidarity in that context than the very transactional, I'm just here for a paycheck, I'm just here to, you know, meet the quarterly targets, and that's it. So yeah. I think that's, you know, that, that's a really powerful thing. I notice, I'm so curious to hear what point number three is. Yeah, me too. <laughs> mentioned three, so I, I, want to, I want to hear what that is. It's very good. Point three is that a crisis is always an opportunity as well. Mm, yes. So. I find it difficult to use the sentence never waste a good crisis because mm-hmm. it's it's so devastating and it will cost so many lives that it's not appropriate, but it's also it's always an opportunity, but it's also an opportunity for society. But yes. I wanted to make a remark in general. The problem is that, and that's what you see, for instance, at the moment, that everybody understands much better than normally what is really going on. So if you take take, for instance, the whole... Uh, language shareholder value for instance mm-hmm. sounds i mean you can discuss about it i mean it's it's but it's a different word than 
if you would call it egoistic. But shareholder value is in the end just egoistic. And if you have a, if you have, a, because it's not multi-stakeholder, it says, I only want to maximize my profits and I don't care about the rest. Mm. And if you have a crisis now, if you just see the reactions now on social media in a positive way and a negative way are much more extreme. So people are applauding for teachers and people and nurses, etc. Why don't we treat these people much better in, normal, in a normal situation? We didn't applaud for them three months ago, yeah. but, but they were doing exactly the same work. So why, why don't we treat these people much better or, or much more in a much more human way? And in the other way, you also have companies who lay off people now. And in, at times where you don't talk about corona crisis, they behave in the same way. But there's not a shitstorm going on. And now everybody applauds. I also for Patagonia, who mm. says, no, we're going to pay and we're not going to lay off anybody. But normally mm. also huge corporations don't pay taxes. I mean, the, the three biggest corporations in the Netherlands don't pay taxes. And it's not, there's not a shitstorm. Perhaps there was a shitstorm yeah, a couple of months ago. But normally those topics are not addressed and they are not discussed. There's not a collective action to reward those people much better. And the interesting thing is that Mark Peter, you already interviewed, mm -hmm. said, said a week ago, Tom, we always gave this book of, of uh, Frederiks and Brechman. Yes, Frederiks and Brechman. Mm -hmm. In the Netherlands, it's called uh, Waarom Vuilnismannen meer verdienen dan bankiers, which means mm. the, 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 how is the name of the people who put garbage, garbage men? Why do the garbage men earn more than bankers? Yeah, and that's the book everybody gets when people start in our company yeah. since ever and i also gave this to people from the financial industry uh with whom i have let's say business conversations because i like to give them and i say okay it's about being humble mm -hmm. and, and so we are overpaid and mark peter said i think now everybody understands why everybody gets this book right mm -hmm. And that's, and, that's, and that's something which I really don't understand because in the past, I also made a lot of really strong remarks on that. I also said in an interview, for instance, end of, end of shareholder value is so clear. And everybody said, oh, that's a very bold statement. But I hope we will be able, on the one hand, to put people first in companies. Mm -hmm. And I hope we are able to put people first in society. Yeah. And to take this situation as an opportunity to address what is yeah. becoming so much clearer now. Yeah. yeah. What are the opportunities that you're seeing with inside VC? What, what are the opportunities for creation that you're seeing from your company's in, perspective? In companies or in society? In, in your at company, in, at VC. Oh, I see, uh, I see a huge opportunity. I mean, I, I see, for instance, this enormous empowerment yeah. Uh, people are, are behaving so responsible. Uh, they have great ideas. They ask less than in the past, shall I do this, for instance, because there's a, such a vibe going on. Because, I mean, and it's also very logical. I mean, if you feel the solidarity of each other, you really are energized. So people are so motivated and have so much energy. Mm. Uh, and, it's, and it's also what you see in difficult times. The best literature the best art, etc., is often created in difficult times and difficult situations. There, there's a strong solidarity. People have a lot of great ideas. They feel probably much more responsible for each other. 
So in the end, the team is much stronger after a crisis. But yes. there's, also, there's also something, if people who experienced a war or were together in concentration camps, I mean, take Viktor Frankl, take the, the huge amount of scientists, of Jewish scientists who, who, who went to the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter, all the humanities, if it's Hannah Arendt or it doesn't matter what it is, those people uh, wrote such excellent books because it was so decisive, because they knew where they really, it, it was not a kind of abstract kind of topic. Right. It, was, it was their topic. But you also had it, uh, Christoph Christensen, uh, uh, Innovator's Dilemma, who, who was sick and, and had this excellent speech about what really is important, caring about other people. Yeah, it can create a lot of clarity, a tremendous amount of clarity. But I think, you know, what, what you mentioned, solidarity, I think that that is such a really fundamental cornerstone. What would be your advice to companies who are struggling right now to find solidarity in the crisis? What would be the one practical thing that you would hope that they would start doing to plant those seeds? I would do exactly the same what we did, but it's not because we did it but everybody would expect you would do this. Get the people together, tell how the situation is, ask them, how are we going to solve this? Are we going to solve this together? And the people will always say, let's solve it together. Yeah. And give the people the possibility of, of finding the solutions. And this collective intelligence is much higher mm-hmm. than somebody in the kind of old hierarchy who decides for other people what the best solution is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The, the power of the collective intelligence. And, and indeed it is so true. I mean, we, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Bob Chapman, but he was an American CEO who during the 2008 crisis followed the same exact thing and, and had the same exact results, yep. you know, bringing people together saying, right, we need to find 20%. How are we going to do that? And, yep. and everyone behaved in exactly the same way that you're describing as happening with VC. It's, it's, these are not magical outliers. These are not, you know, the, the one-offs and the exceptions. This is, this is true human behavior. It is really yeah. how people, we, we're social animals. We want to come together in crisis, right? And help one another. But what's the English or American word for ATV, Arbeitszeitverkorting? Furlough. Okay. Furlough is uh, when, when you uh, send a few people home to cut back on wage and you don't fire them, you just send them home without pay for a short period of time and you typically set it up on rotations, yeah. Uh, and, but if, if that is part of your DNA in society, then because normally you also have the, exactly the same problem, now it's more in a, in a maximized form, but you have exactly the same topic over and over again. You always will have had situations where you have difficult economic times and then it's always the question, how do you treat the people who are in a weaker situation? So it's, yeah. it's, of all, it's of all times, but now it becomes more clear uh, what is the real topic. And it always should be people first. Yeah, yeah indeed. But I think it is, you know, number one, one thing that I love that I'm, I'm taking away from, from what it is that you've shared with us, Tom, is uh, the importance of kind of having the plan, you know, having having that conversation beforehand, before the recession sits, before the crisis hits, before, you know, it's just like we all do fire drills so that we all know how to find the fire exits. Do that for your business planning. You know, what are we going to do when times get tough? What are going to be the priorities? Because it is, 
it can be really difficult, especially in times where there's a lot of fear and uncertainty. It can, it can very much cloud your judgment. It can yeah. kick into kind of survival mode. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, that that's a huge takeaway of the importance of businesses having those conversations before, you know, run, run your business recession, your business crisis planning, like a fire drill, you know, do that, do that with regularity. And I'm curious, Marlene, what is it that you're taking away? What, what's really struck you about this? I think there've been so many good things. The one that, that hits me most personally is not just asking, asking the people on, on your team to be, to show solidarity with each other and with the company and, and asking them, okay, can you think with us? But also doing the same thing the other way around and doing that first saying, okay, we care about you. We're not going to fire everyone. Um, we're, we're in this together. Uh, and that really, I've, I've been, I've personally been in a situation in, in the, in a cultural organization where, where suddenly finances were, sh- were short and it was tough and it was not a huge crisis like this, but still it was hard times. And I completely recognize the instinct to first say, okay, who can, how can we solve this? Who can, who can do this? And I was the first one to say, okay, well, reduce my pay because I'm, I'm someone who knows how to, uh, you know how to how to solve that financially at home. I, I'll I'll fix it. I'll be okay. And I know some other people who won't be okay. So don't make sure it doesn't affect them. That was my mm-hmm. first instinct. Yeah. Um. That was not how it eventually turned out in the organization. Other choices were made, but not in my department. So that really resonates with with my personal experience as well. Um. And my personal values. So thank you and thanks for sharing all these things because there's so many gems here. Uh, and I'm really glad we're we're bringing this out and sharing this with everyone who wants to listen. Yeah, thanks so much, Tom, for sharing these really valuable insights and really, you know, going into bringing people first to life in times of crisis. Because it, you know, it isn't it isn't just a poster on a wall. It is really about how you behave on the day to day and the mindsets that you go into these things with. And you've really highlighted a lot of the really powerful pieces that are. Again, it's not, it's not exceptional. It's very real and very true and, and very organic. There's something incredibly natural about it. It just isn't necessarily how everybody has signed up and what they've subscribed to yet. Hopefully that no. will change. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to say is that what, what, it, what it comes across like is that to you, and please, Tom, uh, uh, add to this from your perspective, but it sounds and it looks like there is a confidence in it and there's a sense of reduction of stress and there's a sense of calm coming from your priorities and having them so clear uh, and having also having prepared for this, you know, having, having those scenarios from, from before, but there's, there's so much more confidence and less stress in, in your approach and your story in, in your person, when you talk about your crisis team and your war room and, was, is that a correct observation? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's a, that's a huge topic. It's about, uh, I mean, you can do one on uh, Stephen Covey, Think with the End in Mind, Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. So it's about, it's about hey, uh, start with when you're dead. Uh, then, then you have this question of how do you really implement this in, 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 in teams? Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we made those three categories 
of uh, people who have uh, partners who work in hospital, etc., and yeah. they don't have to work at all. And then you have a category of people who are able to work 50% because they have children, for instance. Mm. And that's, that's the way, how do you implement this? Eh? Because right. you, you can say, we care about people, but if your, your partner works in the hospital and you have to care about the two children and they say, just go, just do your normal work, yeah, that's not going to work. So right. you, have to, you have to go further. But I think you made a real strong point, Marjolaine. It has to do with self-reflection. So... Mm. And the self-reflection is very, very important. And if you have the confidence to act on that, and if you have the courage to act on that, that's the main thing. And people don't have the courage to act on that. So uh, it's much more difficult to say, we're not going to lay off people, and I'm trying to solve this. And the easiest thing is to say, okay, I work for this and this company, I lay off uh, uh, X percent, and because then I see that on the stock market, I'm able to have a, a positive reaction of my shareholders. And those yeah. shareholders, they only keep those shares for, let's say, in every three months. So right. why, should, why should I, those people who are just changing, yeah, the, say they don't have any commitment. So those people who haven't any commitment, they are number one in hierarchy. I mean, it's just, uh, just absurd. Yeah, it, it's highly detrimental and and it you know it, i think the the original intention of that was shareholders were not being provided there wasn't enough accountability to them and it's now swung too far the other direction um yeah. you know it 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 really has just gotten very very out of balance and you know this putting shareholders first they're people too Yes, but as you said, they come and go. You know, they, they are not a part of the ongoing organization and structure. Um, they provide a very specific purpose. And keeping that in mind, keeping that in balance, I think is incredibly important. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, I'm a little aware of time. No. Um, yes, and, and thank you for highlighting this opportunity for, for turning those things back and, and yeah. swinging it back. Thank you, Tom. So important. Thank you. Thank you for coming up uh, on today. Thank you for making the time and thank you for your family for making this happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, I know all about that. That's a struggle. And <laughs> I just, um, there's just, there's just, just a podcast online where my little son is just walking. Uh, uh, lovely um, background uh, sounds. It, it's very, it's very, it's very funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank, you very, thank you very much for having me. And I hope, I hope it gives people the courage to really act on that because yeah. I think in a, in a very, deep in us in every person people would like to have more cars and act on this yes i i agree wholeheartedly thank you well thanks everyone for listening as well um you can find our podcast directly online it's also very easy to find us and subscribe on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify all kinds of platforms so you can be sure that you're the first to find out when we have new episodes coming up because we will have more We'd really love to get a rating and or a review to get your feedback, but also to hear what's on your mind in the workplace. Do let us know. And we'd love to have you as our listeners again next time. Bye-bye.